turn to Luke 19. What a coincidence we're studying Zacchaeus today. And we're going through a series where we're just walking through different encounters that Jesus has with various people. And it's very easy and tempting for us to focus on the people, but the people are not the object of the story. It's always our Lord and Savior who is the hero and the object. And so we're going to walk through this event. It's only about 10 verses this morning. And we'll examine uh, principles that we see how Jesus interacts with certain people. And Zacchaeus' response, and we'll also see how the crowd responds to the Lord, the Lord's favor on Zacchaeus. This uh, series is just called Encounters, and uh, we've just been looking at different people. This story that we're reading today, this event, is one of the most famous encounters. And as you heard, there's a Sunday school song dedicated to it. Zacchaeus is a very unlikely person to get saved. And many commentators I was reading this week said this particular encounter or event should get hope to those of us who are praying for someone in our lives who seems far from the Lord. Zacchaeus, uh, as we're about to see, is is not living an upright life. In fact, by the standards in the ancient world in the Jewish times, he would be considered a dirty, rotten scoundrel. He's a corrupt politician. And if there's anyone here today or watch you online that you think that you get saved based on your merit, that you get saved based on things that you can do, Zacchaeus is evidence that that is not true. The Word of God makes it very clear we're not saved by our merit, we're saved by grace. Because there is nothing in Zacchaeus' life that would warrant salvation. He, He lies, he steals, he's corrupt. And let's let the Word of God describe him to us here, beginning in verse 19, uh, verse 1, chapter 19, 1. We're told, uh, he, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see Jesus, see who Jesus was, but on the account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. And he was about to pass, he was about to pass by. Verse 5 says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. Verse 7 tells us, And when they saw it, they, they all grumbled. He has gone into the, to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, I have the half of the goods I have I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Finally, verse 9 and 10 tell us, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Bethany is not too far from Jericho, and it would have been several weeks prior to this event, just down the hill or over the hill, Jesus would have raised Lazarus from the dead. And the word of Lazarus being raised from the dead is spread to Jericho. And not just the raising of a dead man, who'd been dead for four days, but the miracles that had happened in Jerusalem, which wasn't too far away, have also reached Jericho. And now the very person, 
the very one, Jesus himself, who is the center of all these stories, is entering into this village, this town. And people are, are clamoring to the streets. Jesus would have had an entourage of hundreds or perhaps, perhaps thousands of people who are following him to see what he will do next. And so now as people are watching this entourage coming into their town, Jericho, they're coming out of their homes, and the word is spreading all over the street that Jesus is here. Zacchaeus, we we don't know why he's going to be so anxious to come out to see him. Perhaps he's just heard the rumors and wants to see him face to face. But there is a major parade coming through Jericho, and Jesus is leading the parade. We're told here that as he entered Jericho, he was passing through. And you know the background now. There would be lots of people. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, by his name, it means in Hebrew, pure. It means clean. It means righteous. But Zacchaeus is not a man who's living up to his name by any stretch of the imagination. He is not pure, clean, and righteous. What does he do for a living? Well, the next verse tells us. Luke is giving this through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the detail. And notice there's several words here that magnify his sin. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. By occupation, he was a tax collector. I was studying this week and a commentator had written that uh, in order to be a tax collector in this particular area, it's kind of like buying a franchise for a business. You had to pay off Rome. You had to guarantee a certain amount of uh, taxes to be raised. If you could guarantee it and sustain it, then you could have the franchise or the right for that area. The chief tax collector would pay an awful lot of money to have the right to collect taxes. And then he would hire other tax collectors under him who each paid him a portion of the taxes as well. And so the people would collect taxes for Caesar, but they could also keep a little bit for themselves. So the hardworking men and women of this region were giving money to these tax collectors who were Jewish, and they were taking taxes for Gentile pagan governments, and it drove the people nuts. Because there were were taxes for everything they could think of. It seemed like no matter what they did to earn their money, they're having to pay a tax to these tax collectors who are skimming some off the top, and they were also kicking it back to the the chief tax collector. So the tax collectors are already despised. They're already hated by the people. They're corrupt politicians, but the chief tax collector is hated the most because he's on top of the pyramid as he gives money to Caesar and keeps a little bit for himself. himself. This is magnified even more that Luke would not only tell us he's the chief tax collector, but look at his wealth status. We're getting a picture of his bank account here at the end of this verse. We're told he was rich. This is implying that his money had come from his corruption. This is a very hated man. One commentator I was reading said that tax collectors would not often go out to see a crowd. They would try to stay away from crowds because crowds were were not good business for them. They'd be yelled at and mocked and sometimes pushed down. But they would have Roman soldiers with them to protect them as they took the people's money so the people could do nothing about it. And here, this is the, the object of this encounter. Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector who was rich. Why does God choose people like Zacchaeus? This is the the sixth encounter in the Gospels, by the way, that Jesus has with a tax collector, and all of them are favorable. Why does he choose the people who are despised to be a part of his team, to join him in ministry? Well, the scriptures tell us 
in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 29, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that, or for the purpose of, no human being might boast in the presence of God. Zacchaeus would be a very unlikely candidate to be a follower of Christ, to be on mission with Christ. And I'm so thankful that the Lord chooses people that are unlikely, aren't you? Because I never would have been chosen otherwise, and chances are you would never have been chosen to be a part of the Lord's work. He could have chosen the religious leaders to to go around the world and preach the gospel. But we'll find out through church history that Zacchaeus is a faithful church leader after this in different parts of the world, and he may have even been martyred for his faith as he preached the gospel. He chooses Zacchaeus to show that the power of the gospel is not in the messenger. It's never in the messenger. The power of the gospel is in the message. And he chooses people who are not powerful to bring the powerful message of all. The greatest message the world has ever heard. The life-transforming message of the gospel. And he has given you and I that gospel, friends, to proclaim to other people, to proclaim the powerful, life-changing message. Verse 3 tells us this. What was Zacchaeus doing? For he was seeking to see who Jesus was. Again, we don't know why he was seeking. The scriptures don't tell us. Perhaps it's just a curiosity. Jesus has what's equivalent today as a a rock star status, if you will. Everyone knows who he is, and they all want to see him and touch him. And here is his teaching, and watch what he does. And then we're told there's a problem here introduced with the word, but he wants to see Jesus, but there's a problem. And what is the problem? He was small in stature. He was not a very tall man. So he ran ahead and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass by. This is Zacchaeus' one chance to see Jesus, to see what he looks like as he, he travels through his own town. Jesus is in his own zip code. What a, what a wasted opportunity if he had a chance to see Jesus or meet Jesus, and he doesn't leverage that opportunity and, and seize the day. And so here he does two things that, that people would never do. He, he runs. The adults, especially adult man, would never run. And he would never climb a tree. Why? Because these two things are considered to be very childish. To run in the ancient world for a grown man to run would be undignified. And to climb a tree? Why would a grown man, especially this official for the government, be climbing a tree? Zacchaeus, you're making a fool of yourself. Slow down, walk, and certainly get out of that tree. People are watching. You're looking so undignified. We see the stature of the man is small. And this not only describes him physically, but it describes him spiritually as well. This is a glimpse of the gospel. That because he is short physically, it doesn't tell us where he is spiritually, but physically we're all just like Zacchaeus. We're all short. And I don't mean in stature. This particular use of short means inadequate, lacking, insufficient. If you were to tell me that your bank account is short, you're not telling me it's not tall. You're telling me that it's lacking and it's insufficient. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
All of us, just like Zacchaeus spiritually, have fallen short. Every one of us is a sinner, and we are all lacking. Zacchaeus runs and climbs just like a child. Oh, how foolish he must have looked. Jesus said previously in Luke 18, 17, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall never enter into it. Do you know what Zacchaeus was not displaying that day? He wasn't displaying a heart filled with pride. What he was displaying was a heart filled with humility. Because pride would have prevented him from running. He would have cared more about what other people thought of him. Pride would have kept him out of climbing that tree. He would have missed his encounter with Jesus Christ because of pride. How many of you here today have never surrendered your life to Jesus and given him your entire life because you're just too prideful? You think you don't need his help. You can get through it on your own. You don't want to look foolish to other people. You don't want to appear undignified. You don't want to look childish. But Jesus is saying it's those who, who are like children who, who inherit the kingdom of God. Those who will humble themselves. Those who will admit their faults. Those who will run to Jesus and climb a tree if they need to, to get to him. Are you allowing something to prevent you to get to Jesus because you're just too prideful to overcome that obstacle, whatever it might be? Some people would say, well, I'm just too embarrassed to come to Jesus for salvation because I'm worried about what my friends would say. In other words, they're choosing hell forever to satisfy their friends. If you have friends that are keeping you from getting to Jesus, if you have friends that are keeping you from getting to heaven, you need new friends. You need friends that will help you get to Christ and walk with Christ. They will walk with you with Christ. You need to inventory your friends today. Verse 5 says, and when Jesus came to the place, this is the place where Zacchaeus, this grown man, would have run to in in a very undignified manner. Perhaps he'd have to hold up his clothes to, to do it so he doesn't trip and fall because he might have had a long robe. He would have climbed a tree and scooted along its branches and been up high for Jesus to see him. When Jesus got to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, he calls him by name. Isn't that wonderful? He doesn't say, hey, you strange man up there. By calling him by name, he knows him. And by knowing his name, he knows what he does for a living. He knows he's the tax collector. He knows he's the chief tax collector, and he knows that he's rich from doing that job through corruption. Zacchaeus, and notice these next words here because I think they're very significant. He tells him the tempo by which he must travel. He doesn't say, whenever you feel like it, Zacchaeus, come on down from that tree. Whenever you've had a good enough view of what's going on, you come at your own pace and your own leisure. Whenever you want to do it, you come down. That's not what he says. Look at the text. It says, hurry, make haste. Right now is the time, if you want to meet Jesus, to come down and do it. He says, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. This is absolutely incredible. Because in the ancient world, whenever there was an honored guest coming to town, it was pretty typical that the the elders, the older men of that town would greet the guest as he entered. And they would say, we would like to honor you and let you be a guest in our home. It'd be maybe like the mayor or the assistant mayor or the chief executive officer, if you will. And they would host him in a home because he's an honored guest. We don't know if those people were even there. 
So who would be the honored one in their place that this special guest would go to have a meal? Jesus didn't choose the religious leaders who would have been there. He didn't choose the mayor, if you will, or the the people who, who could have normally be chosen, the elders. He chooses this sinful man, Zacchaeus, this chief tax collector. For all we know, Jesus chose to go through Jericho just to encounter Zacchaeus to save his soul. Zacchaeus, I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus knows what an honor this is. That this one man who has come into this town and they've all come out to see has chosen me. He's disregarded the elders, the religious leaders. I'm the one that he wants to have lunch with in my house. Surely he will be overwhelmed with joy and excitement. Look at what Zacchaeus does. Verse 6, he obeys the Lord. His tempo is immediate. This shows us the urgency of meeting Christ and knowing Christ. So he hurried and he came down. He probably came down in such a way, if this were me, I'd split my pants in a more undignified way. He doesn't care what people are thinking is my point. He's, He's probably not worrying about his clothes. He just wants to hurry and come down and look at what he does next. He receives Jesus joyfully. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. Because there are people who will never receive Jesus because they're too proud. Their hearts are too hard to the gospel. They think they can do it all themselves. They think they can satisfy God through their own works. And the Bible says you can't satisfy God through your own works. Are you humble enough to hear the truth today? Or are you too proud to receive the truth? This tax collector is despised by everyone. He is hated. And Jesus is showing the disciples who are with him that those who are hated are not to be shunned. They are our mission field. This tax collector is not someone we stay away from. He's our mission field, disciples. We need to go to him and share the gospel with him that he might receive faith and believe and get saved, that he will repent from his wicked ways and turn to Christ. Look at how the crowd will receive this. Will they be overwhelmed with joy because Jesus is going to go to someone's house in their town for lunch? No, they're not. And they're going to grumble against the Messiah himself. Look at verse 7. And when they saw this, this would be the crowd. They all grumbled. This word all in the Greek, it's there. I double-checked it. It means all. This is the scope or the range of the people. Everybody was grumbling. And this word grumble in the Greek, you've heard it before. It's not gongusmos. It's it's dia ganguso. We have the word dia before it, which means through. So that means there wasn't just a patch of grumbling here and a patch over here. The whole crowd, there was grumbling going through the entire crowd. And next we're about to see what were they grumbling. What were they murmuring to each other that's going in that direction of the crowd, in that direction? The whole crowd is all saying the exact same thing. Hundreds and thousands of people as the murmuring goes through. And look at what they're saying here. The scripture tells us he has gone in to be the guest. There's the word. Not with the elders of the town. Not with the royal officials or the the leaders, the religious leaders. He's gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. There's great indignant. They're very indignant. How could Jesus go? into the house to be the guest of a sinner. There appears to be this gap of time that's not very long between seven and eight. 
Seven were on the street as Zacchaeus is coming down. He receives Jesus joyfully. And then eight, it appears, we jump into his house. And here we have, we're in the house, and look what Zacchaeus does. There's been some, some conversation. And it, it appears as though between seven and eight, the Lord saved Zacchaeus. He's a new man. He believes that Jesus is who he says he is. He, perhaps he heard the gospel. The Lord removed the scales that prevented him from seeing the truth, and now he's been awakened to the truth. And look what Zacchaeus does as a, a new creation. We're told now that Zacchaeus stood. Isn't that amazing? We could have had any posture given for Zacchaeus. First, we're told he was short or small in stature. And now we're told he's standing before the Lord. It takes a forgiveness of sin to stand before the Lord. It takes a, not just a forgiveness of sins, but that your account would be filled with his righteousness. All of Zacchaeus' sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. He has been saved. Are you able to stand before the Lord today in righteousness because your sins are forgiven? Or are you small in stature, spiritually speaking, because you're short, insufficient, and lacking, trying to do it all on your own? Right here, we see a beautiful picture of the gospel that those who come before the Lord in faith are able to stand before the Lord. And look at what he says to the Lord Jesus. Behold, that means look, see. Behold, Lord, I, the half of my goods I give to the poor. He has a transformation of the heart. This rich, greedy man who took his money by being corrupt is not the same person he was before he climbed that tree. We don't know when the salvation took place, but he is a different man. He now has a heart of compassion that he would give some of his money to the poor. People were probably rubbing their eyes saying, is this the kiss? The guy that's been stealing all our money from us, he wants to give some to the poor? That's one of the stingiest men we know. Not only does he have a heart of compassion, but he has a heart of generosity. This tax collector has a whole new spirit. He has faith in the gospel. Faith in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he wants to give this money to his, the poor. Psalm 41.1, you should write this down because this can be very convicting for me, for all of us. But for those of us who believe, we should have compassionate hearts. It should be routinely giving to the poor. Psalm 41.1 states, blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. Let me read that again. Because Zacchaeus is demonstrating that heart. Blessed is the one who, who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. Do you consider the poor, friends? Has the gospel given you a heart of compassion for other people? Has the gospel given you a heart of generosity and helping those in need? And not, not only has he received a heart of compassion and generosity, look what else takes place in his heart. And he says, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now we see he's not only become honest, but he's become responsible. Look at the, the heart change just takes place instantly in this man. The life change of coming to the full knowledge of Jesus Christ and who he is. And so far, just to summarize some top life changes that take place for Zacchaeus, just in these two verses, here's the, here they are. His heart is overflowing with joy to receive Jesus. Joy is one of the themes in the Gospel of Luke. It occurs, it's mentioned over 20 times 
in one form or another. As people encounter Christ, they're overwhelmed with joy. Number two, he has good standing with God. His sins have been forgiven. He receives righteousness of Christ, has been credited to his account. Number three, he receives faith to believe in Jesus. He declares Jesus Lord. He has a a generous and compassionate heart. Number six, he wants to be honest and responsible and pay back money that he's ripped people off with. He wants to pay it back and make good on all the wrongs. What amazing transformation that has taken place in just a few minutes of spending time with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? The gospel transforms people. Verse 9 and 10, as we wrap up this section, tells us this. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus puts the cherry on the cake to confirm what we've already seen here. This man is saved. And you might be tempted to say, now wait a second, he did all these good things and then Jesus saved him. That's how I read it. That's not truth. What you were seeing was he got saved between verses 7 and 8 and those good works came out of his righteousness. We don't do good things to get saved. We get saved to do good works. And the moment he got saved, he had, he's a new creation. He desires to live for Christ and please Christ. And look at verse 10. Jesus tells us his mission. Jesus is a soul winner. He says, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And when he saw Zacchaeus sitting up in a tree, he didn't see a tax collector who was rich, who was in charge of the whole operation. He saw a sinner who was interested in reaching out to Jesus. Are you a sinner today who's never turned to Christ? Do you need forgiveness of sins? Are you willing to be undignified for Christ and set your pride aside and say, I want to be like a child and, and run to Jesus, so to speak, and surrender my entire life to him? We're not saved by works of any shape or form. This is the message all throughout Scripture. And Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 affirm this once again. When it's written, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift. It is a free gift of God, not a result of works so that no one could boast. Zacchaeus got saved. Zacchaeus didn't save Jesus. Jesus saves Zacchaeus. Jesus is the hero. Just to be clear, Jesus is the one who sought Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus wasn't seeking Jesus at the end of the day, spiritually speaking. Romans 3.11 says, no one understands, no one seeks God. And just to remind you, Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It is Jesus who is seeking. Is Jesus seeking you today, friends? Is Jesus seeking your heart and your soul that you would surrender it to him and come to him? I leave you with just three points to ponder or, or three ways to consider this passage and you can apply it to your life. Number one is this. Number one is do whatever it takes to get to Jesus. Zacchaeus did whatever it took just that he could see Jesus. And Jesus called him down and called him to himself that he could be the one to have lunch with him that day. Zacchaeus ended up being very greatly influential for the kingdom of God. And some people I've met over the years say they're afraid to come to Jesus because of what their friends might think. Let me read for you Galatians 1.10. Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? 
If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Who are you trying to please today? Is the object of the people that you want to please, are they the crowd? Are they people that you're trying to please? Or do you keep your eyes fixed on Christ and say, Lord, I want to please you. I don't want to be a man pleaser. The fear of man is a snare, the Bible says. We are to be Christ pleasers. Let us please you, Lord. Number two, we're told is this, is that here we see that we are to love the outcast. That the ones that the crowd despises are the ones that we are to go after for our mission field. And to show the love of Christ too. That we are to go after the tax collectors, the chief tax collectors, even the rich chief tax collectors. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He goes after the sinners and I am a sinner. And I'm thankful that he didn't just go by and look for the righteous. There are no righteous. He goes after the sinners. Jesus was not a man pleaser. He was a heavenly father pleaser. And he was in the, the family business of saving souls. Who are, who are the outcasts in your life that you could share Christ with this week? Who are the ones that you despise that you could go and share Christ with and pray with? Number three is this. Salvation is evidenced by fruit. Fruit is the outcome or product of a person's life. And you can have good fruit and you can have bad fruit. The Bible says in, uh, throughout the scriptures that there are fruit of the, the flesh and fruit of the spirit. In Galatians 5, particularly, we know that the fruit of the flesh looks like and fruit of the spirit. But here, immediately when Zacchaeus gets saved, he starts to demonstrate the fruit of knowing Christ through his generosity and his compassion and his love, wanting to be honest and responsible. I leave you with this one verse. We'll close in prayer. Galatians 5, 25 through 26 tells us this. If, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. We need to decide if we're going to be people who live by the flesh or live by the spirit in our life and yield and surrender to the word of God. I want to pray for us now as we wrap up. And maybe you're here today and just as the Lord went to Jericho to save Zacchaeus, maybe the Lord brought you here to save you. That you would hear the gospel message that God became a man, a perfect man without sin. He lived a perfect life in your place, in my place. He died on a cross. He took your sin upon himself and the Father poured out his anger and wrath and punishment on Jesus that if you believe you would be saved. Jesus was buried. He, he died and was buried and for three days before his resurrection, Jesus rose from the dead, victorious leader over our greatest enemies of death, of sin, and the devil. You could receive salvation right here, right now by placing your faith in Christ. Do you believe the gospel? Will you pursue Christ today with all your heart and mind? Let's, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your word and the example of Zacchaeus. Lord, if you could save Zacchaeus, you could save anybody. Lord, thank you that you saved this man and immediately, immediately we, we began to see new fruit in his life, new desires to please you to honor you with his actions and behavior. Lord, if there's areas in our lives as believers that we're not honoring you, let us confess that sin today and repent. And for those of us who, those who came in today who, who don't know you, I ask that they would repent of their sin, surrender their life to Christ to get saved and believe the gospel that Christ came to seek and save the lost. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.